0: Welcome to this edition of the Insights Podcast on the Huddle Network. I'm Don Mills. And I'm David Campbell. So, David, we had a very interesting conversation with one of the most interesting people I've talked to in a long time, James Mullinger. And uh, James is a recent, uh, I guess, immigrant to uh, your great province of New Brunswick, and the thing that i like the most about this conversation is this is exactly the kind of person that you would want to come to your province somebody who is uh, quite entrepreneurial um, who's uh, started a couple things uh, since he's been here including um, a new quarterly magazine he's doing a podcast a regular podcast and uh, is about to release a book Uh, and on top of that he's a comedian um, and we didn't ask him to be funny on this uh, podcast, although there was several moments when it was it was funny. Uh, so a great individual. Um, and the thing that I also like about him, is he is promoting what's great about Atlantic Canada through his work. And I think making an important contribution to making this place a better place to live.
1: Yeah. For those that don't, no, or haven't been exposed to James uh, Mullinger. I think this is going to be a very interesting conversation for you and for, every, and for people that know him as well. He described himself as the toilet unblocker of comedy. And you'll have to listen to the, the full uh, podcast to understand what he was saying there. But I couldn't help but think of the term big fish in a small pond, Don, when I think about James Mullinger. Because normally you would think if you want to be in the comedy business, you go to Toronto or Montreal and you slug it out with all the other uh, players, but he has really uh, carved out his niche here in the Maritimes in Atlantic Canada. Uh, and he's become a very successful comedian here. And as you said, uh, 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 editor of a magazine, he's flying all over the region, talking to the top cultural and entrepreneurial figures uh, for that magazine. And and I just, yeah, it's a refreshing, um, uh, take on Atlantic Canada. He's got a very positive view of this region, almost a naive view, but, a, but in a very positive way. And I think that kind of uh, enthusiasm for Atlantic Canada is what you and I are promoting. And sometimes newcomers can tell that story actually better than those of us that have been here uh, maybe a long time.
0: I absolutely agree with that comment. I mean, you know, fresh eyes on on something that we sometimes take for granted is very refreshing, and that's what James brought to the podcast, a very refreshing perspective about uh, why Atlantic Canada is such a great place to live. And I, I wouldn't say that he's naive. I think he's realistic based on the conversations that he has, that there are obviously challenges here. But he prefers to look on the bright side, I guess, uh, which is, uh, again, refreshing. And and just so people um, know, he he uh, he came to this region from London, England, And uh, one of the reasons, obviously, he chose New Brunswick is that his wife has obviously a connection uh, with the province, and that's the reason why we get a lot of people coming to Atlantic Canada, because they marry somebody with a connection to this region, and those people bring them home, which we like.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the old-fashioned way to emigrate to New Brunswick, find yourself a spouse here. Uh, so I think that's right. And, and in terms of the magazine that he, him and his wife have founded Maritime, the Maritime edit, I think it's called, uh, I thought that the idea there was really strong. Like he, 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 even as a newcomer realized that a lot of the national narrative around this region in the, in the, in the national newspapers is pretty negative, right? So the only time you hear about uh, this region, it tends to be when something goes wrong or there's some kind of challenge or issue. Uh, and he really wanted to change the narrative. And I was surprised, uh, Don, that that magazine is actually national in scope. You can get it in a number of national uh, um, outlets, uh, like chapters across the country. And so he's actually taking this sort of positive message of Atlantic Canada and stories, Atlantic Canadian stories to a national audience and getting good, pretty good traction. So I thought that was a very uh, interesting um, um, uh, thing that he's doing as part of his entrepreneurial efforts
0: well you know i'm going to subscribe to that quarterly and uh i encourage anybody who's listening to do the same thing because uh, we need to spread the word and um and help uh support uh this effort uh it's important to have uh this kind of initiative uh, that profiles the things that are good about this region and uh you know uh, like you can imagine starting um a magazine in the middle of a pandemic or close thereby is if not the biggest challenge one of the biggest challenges you can have magazines are tough businesses to be in he indicated that he was profitable uh right after before he even got the first one launched which is a credit obviously to the quality of uh, the content and uh, and the production values as well as i understand it are very high as well so Again, I encourage anybody who's interested in uh, following uh, what James is doing to subscribe to Maritime Edit. Um, well worthwhile, I think.
1: Absolutely. I echo that. I think it's uh, we need to get to support uh, local entrepreneurs like that that are trying to project a positive image of Atlantic Canada. And if you get a chance to see him, he is very funny. Uh, he does poke uh, at Atlantic Canada and some of our little foibles. Uh, but it's in a good-hearted way, and I think most people walk away just really, really enjoying his show.
0: Yeah, and, and again, he's had an interesting background. Uh, he, he worked uh, as an editor, I believe, for uh, GQ magazine for more than a decade, so he's got a very kind of eclectic background for a comedian, <laughs> but maybe that, that's what helps with his humor, that he has that kind of background, a very creative individual for sure.
1: Yeah, and entrepreneurial. And one of the things that I liked about the conversation is he talked about these other cultural entrepreneurs in the region. So you, you're not necessarily just a musician or an author or a comedian, but you're actually an entrepreneur because you actually have to sell yourself. You have to develop products. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. You're, you're, you're a little bit orphaned out here in Atlantic Canada in terms of the cultural infrastructure. So you have to kind of make you know make your own way, make your own path. And that means they're more entrepreneurial, whether it's Misha Burger gosman or, or any of these other cultural uh, and artistic figures uh, in Atlantic Canada. So it's a very, uh, I think, a very um, enjoyable 50-minute uh, conversation with, uh, with Mr. Mullinger.
0: Yeah, and I think just one, one sort of final point that we talked about, I, I really like the cultural uh, uh, reference that he made, um, you know, that uh, I indicated to him that I, I was one of the original um, owners of the Carlton music bar and grill, which has become a bit of an iconic uh, place for people to play live music, and it's been supporting live music now for more than a decade. I had a chance during my ownership period to meet a lot of great Atlantic Canadian musicians. And, um, uh, and, you know, they, they really add to our the fabric of our of our region big time. But each one each one of them, as you mentioned, is their own entrepreneur. And they have to generate their own uh, livelihood and manage it uh, at the same time. So that was a great segue as part of that conversation. So uh, with that short introduction, let's
2: listen to James Mullinger.
1: James Mullinger, welcome to the Insights Podcast.
2: Thank you very much. It's uh, it's truly an honour to be here. I've I've listened to so many of your episodes and found them so enlightening and fascinating. And I know how many prestigious guests you've have on had on here. So uh, it means a lot. Thank you. Well, you're another prestigious
1: well, guest. So, <laughs> listen. You have a before we get started with the meat of the thing, we'd like you to give us a little bit about a background of yourself. For any of our listeners that don't know you, yeah. can you give us your short history? Uh, it's very, very interesting. But can you give us a short sort of take on on who you are, where you came from, how you ended up in Atlantic Canada?
2: For sure, yes. Um, I grew up in a small town, Um uh was fascinated with uh, all kinds of different media growing up. I wasn't an outgoing child at all. In actual fact, I was a very shy child and I was not at all uh, academic or athletic or uh, indeed sociable. I was what my parents recently joked was a triple bill of failure for them in that there was, uh, you know, sometimes if, if a child isn't good at sports, maybe they're good at math. I wasn't really good at... Uh, anything but i i did have a a passion for for writing alone in my room and i was obsessed with 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 comedy and indeed magazines um when i left university with a degree in english literature and women's studies i interned at gq magazine i had a one-week internship that turned into a 13-year career um, and during that time uh, fulfilled my wish of starting out as a stand-up comedian um, on my first day at GQ, I met a very uh, lovely girl who I fell in love with, who uh, turned out to be from this strange place I'd never heard of called New Brunswick. And um, uh, in my first visit to New Brunswick in the year 2000, uh, fell in love with the place. It became my happy place. And in 2014, uh, we were we had just had our second child, and we up sticks from London, uh, left our media careers, my comedy career and my family and moved to New Brunswick uh, for a better quality of life. And uh, we came here essentially simply for quality of life. It was to give our children a, a maritimes upbringing an upbringing where there's a sense of community and people that look out for you. Um, but we both, I think, felt that we were leaving our media careers behind um and and people here would say to me oh well you're not going to be able to do comedy here and we certainly didn't plan to start a magazine here but um you know best laid plans and all that and uh fortuitously um i would say my comedy career has probably gone better in atlantic canada than it was going in england or certainly i've done things here that i don't think i ever could have achieved there and we uh fulfilled our dream that we had when we went drinking in london pubs in the year 2000 when we first met starting our own magazine well she was working for vanity fair at the time i was working for gq we were arrogant youths who thought we could do better and we used to say we should start our own magazine and of course we absolutely could not have done it then but um uh, 15 years later uh, we did so and um now essentially all of my kind of childhood dreams have come true in that i'm uh, a, a present father around uh, my children, which is one of the reasons we moved here, but also get to enjoy life as a comedian and a magazine owner. So every dream came true here. I'm sorry, that wasn't very short, but, uh, I hope (laughs) I packed everything in. (laughs)
0: Well, well, James, you know, uh, if you've listened to our, uh, podcast, you know that we're, uh, high on immigration and population growth in this region uh, and it's happening finally. Um, You are obviously an immigrant to Canada, and recently, I think within the last week, became a Canadian citizen. Is that right? right?
2: Two days ago, yes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. Yeah, it feels Uh, lovely. uh, uh,
0: You arrived here kind of well into your career, and you've already uh, noted um, uh, reasons for uh, coming to Atlantic Canada and New Brunswick, but can you tell us about the, the transition? Because... You know, one of the things that we talk about a lot is um, becoming a welcoming society for people who come from elsewhere, especially outside the country. We haven't had a lot of experience in Atlantic Canada with people from other parts of the country. We have the lowest percentage of uh, immigrants in the country. Um, What's it been like for you?
2: Good question. And and yes, I mean, this is one of the reasons I was so excited to come on here, because I, I love the the running theme that you have throughout Insights of just wanting prosperity for the region. And I think that's one of the things that I love so much about this place is this idea that everyone has of, of wanting that same thing, because we know that it's g- good for us, good for our businesses now, and it's good for our children, it's good for keeping people here and good for bringing people here. But um, to answer your question, um, there are so many positive things obviously about coming here i mean one of the things i loved about coming to a place where uh it because well i guess to go back when i when i first got here i would say to people i am a comedian they would have this kind of idea of well you can't do that here that that won't work here um and similarly when we said we were going to start a print magazine in 2017 people said that won't work here so um on the one hand there is this this uh mindset um Possibly of realism, and again, I I don't, I don't kind of want to kind of have the kind of blind positivity all the time, which is something which I'm often accused of is having kind of blind positivity of anything as possible. Um, But one of the things that I love so much about coming here is that there wasn't a well-worn path for certain things, and I feel like here you don't necessarily get pigeonholed. Now, if you go to Montreal to be a comedian, or indeed go there as uh, already as a professional comedian. Uh, there's this well-worn path that you're kind of told you have to take. Well, you must play these clubs and then you must do Just for Laughs and then you must do this in order to... um, And and I feel like that is the case in big cities. And and I think this is the case with any industry, whether whether you're you're an architect or you're opening a a restaurant or a a wellness company or or whatever it is. Uh, There's this kind of well-worn path in places. But I feel like in Atlantic Canada, you can carve your own path. So on the one hand, there was this mindset of, of... people thinking that we were slightly mad and that these things couldn't happen. Um, And I I guess it's kind of wanting to get that balance right between, I love the, the, I think a lot of the mindset comes from a a humbleness and a modesty where people are like, well, um, and, and, and wanting to be realistic about things, but then equally, I feel like you can do anything here because there aren't people telling you it has to be this way. Yeah. It's almost like a, and we've heard this from others. It's almost like a pioneering
1: attitude, right? You're coming into the region, you can see an opportunity, but you didn't face any sort of structural barriers. We've, we've heard of people in other occupations and other careers that said there was actually barriers getting into the social network or the professional network. Now, I guess in the case of comedy and even magazine, uh, maybe there wasn't a lot of those kind of barriers in, in, uh, in your way.
2: Um, That's a good question. I guess one thing that, yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess by that, when people have said that, do they mean that there was kind of already kind of built in cliques where it was hard to kind of penetrate? I mean, yes, I I think to be fair, um, we might have experienced some of that and um, possibly... um, a, uh, an understandable cynicism, possibly in some quarters. And again, this is certainly, this would de- definitely be the minority. I mean, I would say most people we went to when we said uh, we want to start, you know, this print magazine celebrating Atlantic Canada, promoting Atlantic Canada a- a- across the country, exp- you know, and wanting to basically create a product that kind of offset. The damage that's been done by uh, so-called national publications like Maclean's and the Global Mail that call themselves national, but that have actually very few, if any, correspondence uh, based east of Quebec. And then they very rarely even write about the Maritimes. When they do, it has a headline like, can anything save the Maritimes? And then they send a photographer here who will find a, an empty, disused building on a corner in St. John and go, look at the state of the Maritimes. And it's like you've just found, what has anyone walked down Young Street into Lately, I mean, it looks like an apocalypse wasteland. You know, you, you, you could find a, a, an empty building in any city and make it look bad. And I, I talk about this a lot in in shows about the you know people's perceptions of, of London. When people say, "Oh, well, I went to London, had a wonderful time. How could you leave?" And I'm thought, "Well, well you went to Big Ben. I, I didn't live in Big Ben. I lived in in a crime ridden area of South London." But it's it, it, it's all about um, perceptions. So, um, so. To answer your question, I mean, I, there were some barriers in, in that respect, but I guess that's kind of a natural thing when you go anywhere where you don't know anyone. And I mean, I mean, I, I was very lucky in that things happened for us quickly here, which I think led some people to believe that we had some connections here. I mean, we we came here with we had no connections here i mean my my wife had been gone for for 20 years and it wasn't wasn't like her her you know family was in the the media industry or or anything like that you know we really did have to come here and 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 hit the ground running and essentially what it was like was was starting over which um i think if you're gonna have to start over anywhere this is the place to do it and i say this to people that are looking to kind of start businesses or, or start afresh um the great thing here is, is is because we don't have a tr- traditional means of communication, and I guess by that I mean we don't have one particular media source or one particular thing that everyone gets their news from. So like in England, if you're doing, a, in London, if you're doing a show, everyone knows that kind of everyone reads Time Out, for instance. And, and and you come here and discover that everyone's finding out about things different ways, which is partly, again, why we started the magazine, because, I mean, our, our lives, we've always sought things out. So one of my frustrations when I got here was I'd hear people complain, "There's nothing to do here," and I'd say, "Well, what are you talking about? I went to see WWE wrestling on 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 Wednesday night at Harbour Station. Then on Thursday I saw um a a, 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 a child the, the child from the famous Vietnamese, Vietnam Vietnam uh, Vietnam War photo." Um, speak in this incredibly powerful keynote speech, and Friday, and I'm like, I did more this week than I used to do in a month in London. And people would say, "Well, how did you find out about these things?" It's like, well, you just I, everywhere from a, a poster nailed to a tree in a trail to reading the newspaper to listening to this to finding this. And it, it's all these different ways um, of finding things. So, um, really, I think that we've, if there were any barriers. Put up. It was possibly just the normal, the normal thing of going to a place knowing no one. Um, but what I loved was the fact that because it's smaller here, word of mouth is everything, and I feel like that has created the ultimate uh, kind of you know level playing field in some ways. In that. I realized quite quickly that I was going to have to treat my business like like any business. Like When I got here and people said, you can't do comedy here, there's no comedy here. I thought, well, that's weird. You wouldn't say to a plumber, there's no plumbers in this province. Don't go there. Because if there's no plumbers, there's a lot of blocked toilets. So I I see myself as the toilet unblocker of comedy, essentially. And I, I thought, I've got to come in. If I come in and do a show... And, and by that, I mean, I basically, there's no there's no comedy clubs and theatres weren't interested in me at the time. So when a high school got in touch or a church or a vineyard and they said, will you come and do a show? I thought, well, I'll, I'll go and do this. And again, I didn't really have a game plan. Um, but what happened was, and again, partly because I, there was no game plan because I didn't know how things worked here. But how it played out was I would do a show in a vineyard to 100 people. They would enjoy it. They would tell their friends and it built like that. And so when... I started setting up bigger venues and people would say, how did you do this? What was the marketing trick? What was the source piece of advertising you did that worked? The answer was simply the people here uh, talk. And by that, and and of course, that that is partly a a loyalty thing and it's partly a a celebration of of newcomers. Um, But also it's the fact that it would also work the other way. If you did bad work, people would talk. And I think that's the thing that I love so much about East Coast um, entre- entrepreneurs and, and indeed any business owner or any business leader, or anyone doing anything here, is that you can get away with being a bad comedian or a bad plumber in London for a long time because no one talks, the word doesn't spread. But you mess up one plumbing job or one gig on the East Coast, everyone knows. So it, it kind of creates, in many ways, the most authentically uh, you know, uh, level playing field. So, James, I wanted to ask
1: you a little bit about your impression of Atlantic Canadians. You've been telling us a little bit about your thoughts already this morning. Uh, but you do, your a lot of your comedy revolves around experiences and impression, impressions of New Brunswickers or Atlantic Canadians. Um, uh, my sense is that some of us have pretty thin skin, so I'd be interested to hear... What uh, from a comedic perspective, uh, are you able to sort of dive right in and and punch the gut there? Or or do you think people are a little extra sensitive in this region? Like what are your observations on that front?
2: That's an excellent question. Um, And I hadn't really I'd never really looked at it like that. But um, I mean, my experience has been that actually people are very uh, thick skinned in terms of being able to. To to take a joke here, but then I mean I guess part of that I think part of what I was able to benefit from was that I'd obviously um, um, you know packed up my whole life and and left uh, you know my family and and everything I'd built up and come here. So I believe I, it's fair in saying the audiences would give me quite a bit of grace in um, I've come here. I I was kind of even though it might not have been instantaneous. I think there was an element of, well, he is now one of us. So, so I don't know if a lot of the jokes that I did when I got here and indeed still do, I don't know if I, could, I don't know if someone could get away with it as a performer touring through. Like, I'm not sure if someone could come in and uh, on a one night show uh, at the, the Capitol or at the Avenue center or at the Playhouse or wherever and, and, and do as much stuff about, but, but then, That said, I mean, I have seen other comedians come through and do it. I mean, I I think what I found interesting was that in in England, when a comedian does a joke about a place, that can get them blacklisted from ever performing there again. I've kind of found the opposite. And again, I was contacted recently about a survey that came out that said that New Brunswick, it was a survey across Canada, and that New Brunswickers have the best sense of humor uh, in all of Canada. And then uh, two, three, four, what the other three Atlantic provinces as well. And, um, so uh, to be honest, my experience has been that, and I'm trying to think if I ever censor myself in terms of what I joke about. But not only do I do a lot of it on stage, I've also rarely had any um, complaints afterwards or, or, or criticisms um, about the content. About I think partly because it's always infused with, with love, and I mean, granted, things cannot be taken out of context um, when someone watches it online, but. Um, I think I get I, I think the reason that I've never come across that is because I think people can tell that everything I'm talking about is is infused with a with a, with a love for the place as opposed to being um an outsider pointing fingers and and being critical um, but that's it but it's that's interesting yeah because I as I say I, my experience has definitely been that people can really take a joke <laughs> so my
1: my response to that would be, I agree with you. I think it's because you're perceived as one of us mm. and you frame it that way in your comedy that it's almost you're a bit like Marshall Button. You can poke fun at right. us because you're us right. as opposed to an external coming in and doing it. And it's not that mean spirited. I, I enjoy your comedy a lot. Don, you wanted to talk about the magazine.
0: Yeah, one of the things that we're really interested in talking to you, James, about was Maritime Edit, mm-hmm. um, a magazine that you started a couple of years ago. Maybe you can tell us how did that project get going and what was the vision uh, of uh, Maritime Edit?
2: Thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the the main vision was the same vision that, that, that you both have, which is why I was so excited to, uh, to, to be here today, you know, uh, kind of wanting to change uh people's uh impression of atlantic canada both within the region and outside the region um but i guess to, to to go back to the beginning i mean when we moved here it was never part of the the game plan to start a magazine but i think we did first start talking about it a few months into being here where essentially we were i think because when we got here we were so surprised at basically how great life was here and how much there was to do and it went completely against what we had seen here when we would come here to visit um i found it was my happy place i found it a wonderful you know quaint friendly beautiful place um i i didn't realize how much there was to do culturally and interestingly i find that when i speak to now i get approached a lot by people who have been a, either offered a job here or have heard about this region and they've and they're calling from bc or often or from england and in some cases, America, and they're saying the number one thing they want to know is they're like, okay, we can see it's affordable, we can see it's safe, we can see it's ticking all these boxes. But the one thing that has, which people never would think to highlight, and companies forgot to highlight uh, to people coming here, was what there was to do here culturally, and um, and part of that was because there was no place that this information was curated. Um, so for us, when we got here, we were a few months in, we became. Frustrated, A, with the attitude that friends had of this uh, region in other parts of the country, friends that um, who know us, who would come to, you know, friends from Toronto and Montreal and BC who would come and visit us in London, but then didn't want to come and visit us here because they thought that it was this kind of wasteland because of either what they'd been told by in some cases people from here who'd moved there or indeed uh, from impressions they'd read in the Globe and Mail the, the the constant brainwashing of the rest of the of the country's media um, and again supposedly national publications that really actually didn't um, represent the East Coast at all um, so it was part of that and then also really it was formed out of the fact that we wanted to to read this we wanted to read this we, and, and I think also we met so many people like us here That was the other thing. I think, you know, we were, we were surprised by that. Um, And really, I mean, we were, we were coming here thinking that we were giving up a lot and then suddenly we discovered there was so much more to do. I mean, the best example I can give with regards to the culture is, is yes, obviously there are more events and things happening in London and in Toronto than a a city or town in uh, Atlantic Canada. However, when i was in london there was you know say in, in the space of a month there might be 50 things i wanted to do and i would do none or maybe one and uh maybe now i live in 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 greater saint john uh, there might be 15 things i want to do um i'll do 10 of them um so i'm still not doing all the things i want to do i'm still missing some of them but how much choice do you need if you're missing the most of the things that you want to be doing anyway and here because of the quality of life and because of being able to get around i mean i mean in the space of a day the amount of things that we can do i it still blows my mind eight years and i still get excited by the fact that i can take my kids to you know uh soccer hockey uh, two birthday parties walk in a trail swim in a swimming a, a, a river eat at a world-class restaurant, walk around um, a a park designed by the same architects as New York Central Park, drive everyone home, drive into town, see a a play. That would have been a month's uh, event in London, if that, I mean, because you wouldn't have been blessed enough to swim in a lake or... So, I mean, if anything... so. uh, This is a very uh, long answer to to, to the question, but all of these things were kind of uh, forming in our mind, all of this surprise. And essentially it was born out of the creative thing of wanting this thing to exist, but then also the business um, aspect of saying, how do brands reach all of these people here in Atlantic Canada who want to do these things, who want to do nice things? And that doesn't mean, you know, um, privileged things or expensive things like one of the things i love about this region is that the quality of life that it offers so many of the world-class things that are on offer to do uh, don't cost anything um you know for, for, from the parks the rivers the lakes all of these all of these beautiful things so uh, it was really the business that, um so my my wife uh, pam she had worked at vanity fair for for, for a, a year or two Basically went to, I mean, went to went to London with a with a New Brunswick uh, East Coast work ethic. Um, she had w- previously worked in Toronto in fashion, but got there hadn't worked in magazines. Her dream was to work for the the Canadian uh, media magnate Tyler Boulay. She got to London, went around handing him her CV everywhere. Got a job at Vanity Fair as a sales executive. Um, they gave her a list of advertising uh, uh, fashion brands to call. Uh, she she at the end of the day they said okay well how many did you get through and she said i called all 100 and they said wow the record was 20. um again atlantic canadian work ethic um within a year she was fashion manager then got poached by tyler Boulet uh to uh, work at wallpaper and then with him kind of launched tv radio and monocle magazine um and cafes and other uh, retail stores um, so, one of the misnomers actually when, when we came here was there was this idea that kind of she had, you know, it's like people would say to her, thank you for for bringing him. It was this kind of, you know, almost kind of misogynistic idea that, of course, it was the, 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 the she kindly brought her husband. The reality was, I mean, I wasn't giving up much by career wise there. I mean, she was the one that had gone and built this huge It was one of the most powerful uh, women in British media. Um, uh, again, due to the kind of British uh mindset classes i think most people probably thought she was from privilege they probably you yeah, know, again they hear an, a, a north american accent they assume it's they probably thought she was kind of a, a privileged girl from from new york who'd you know the kind of again misogynistic mindset that that's how she'd done well um she was never into um really talking she just did her job and she did it extremely well so when we came here and and there was this kind of i think for her the transition was probably harder than it was for me because she'd gone from this to suddenly uh, you know, again, wrongly being kind of James Mullinger's wife as opposed to being uh, having the identity she had before. Um, but basically, my background was obviously editorial; hers was in publishing. uh hers was in the, on the commercial side, so really, we just thought, well, between us, m- maybe we, we we can create something, and uh, and and that was where the idea was born. So as we started talking about it a few weeks in, started executing it in twenty sixteen, and then launched it in twenty seventeen. So one of the great
1: things about the Maritime Edit is the stories of entrepreneurship around the region. Uh, just want to know why you decided to focus on entrepreneurs. Are you just curious about that, or was that a? a, a I mean, you you also interview a lot of uh, cultural figures as well. It's not just entrepreneurs, but I was very impressed and am I'm impressed uh, by the many uh, entrepreneurs you interview in the in the magazine. Um why did you decide to focus on entrepreneurs and do you have one or two stories or examples that really stand out to you
2: Yeah good question um I think to be honest partly why it possibly uh seems like that is that I felt like to almost do anything here you have to be uh, an entrepreneur because and again it goes back to what I was saying earlier almost more so than anywhere else because as I say, if, if you want to be uh, an actor or a comedian or a musician in another part of the world, you can land yourself in a position where you, know, you sign with an agent and the agent gets you those gigs. Whereas I feel like on the East Coast, whatever you do, whether it's, it's creative or, or or whatever business you're in, you have to be an entrepreneur because there isn't uh, this kind of industry laying it out for you. So as a result, I mean, a good example being, we did a cover story on Eco Architects, you know, a, a you know, world-class and world-renowned architecture firm uh, in St. John, uh, doing work all over, but kind of, you know, proudly based here. Um, and they, in addition to being incredible creative minds incredible architectural minds also have to be entrepreneurs in order to 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 be successful and 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 i feel like that's possibly uh a theme which we never we we didn't start the magazine saying let's focus on entrepreneurs we basically wanted to focus on anyone doing anything great here so again in, in many cases it's people doing you know philanthropic work um but yes essentially when we do cover a musician for example someone like Uh, David Miles or or Joel Plaskett it inevitably comes down to uh, the business side and the entrepreneurial side and and a lot of the time I mean again one of the things that came out of an interview I did with Joel Plaskett recently was I was saying you know what was the key to him being able to be become hugely successful being based uh being being here and staying here and he said that he was—he felt like it was the loyalty, and this is something which I have definitely benefited from touring the rest of the the country and, and indeed North America, um, the loyalty of Atlantic Canadians meant that when Joel went on the road in his early days and he would do a show at a venue in British Columbia where no one knew him, the Maritimers that were there and the East Coasters that were there would come out and bring their friends and say, you've got to see this guy. He's from where we're from. Um, Whereas I don't feel like necessarily like if Vancouverites living on the East Coast, if a Vancouver performer came, here, everyone would say, you've got to go and see this guy. He's from where we're from. Um, and and as a result, it's that it's that loyalty of this region that I feel. Um, builds that up. So, I mean, to answer your question, the entrepreneurs that have stood out. I mean, again, there's there's so many. Um, but I mean, certainly, you know, there's, there's Philip Curley who uh, who founded Hotspot, which has become such a, you know, and I know you guys are familiar with that, such an an incredible. Uh, concept um such incredible execution uh, so many of these things that, that I, can, I i mean i start, i can i can't get bluetooth to work like i mean bluetooth was clearly released onto the world far before it was actually ready as so many i mean and, and so many apple products, and yet Bluetooth uh, hotspot worked meticulously from day one and then after it launched about two years later i found myself in new york Fumbling for coins, and I'm like, how is it that how is it that in, in the maritimes you can literally just park and, and and press a couple of buttons on your phone and 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 boom, you you're fully paid up. But New York is still using coins and um and so i mean that's de- you know he's definitely someone that, that stood out i mean there's obvious ones like you know that everyone knows like you know chef michael smith and, and zeta cobb um but what we try and do is is highlight you know uh, possibly examples that people don't know um kelly mansell is one that we uh we highlighted who uh from toronto uh, uh visited st john's newfoundland uh fell in love and decided to uh move there and opened uh, rocket cafe and bakery which again is something that we will we will devote as many pages to that as we will to you know chef michael smith and and her story was you know incredibly um it's inspiring um it's fascinating and, and, and it will hopefully, you know, I guess the knock on effect of what we try and do is try and make other people want to do the same thing. And I think I guess one of the important points I didn't mention earlier about the launch of the magazine was that the, the remit for the for the stories was always that it's a magazine about here for people here. But, the, but crucially, it had to be the stories had to be of interest to someone elsewhere with no connection to here. So, you know, every single piece is written. And one of the things that we had to kind of it, it essentially coach our our writers and our journalists into was we have to explain what, for example, St. John is. And again, you don't, you don't have to kind of, if you're mentioning St. John, you don't have to kind of, you know, uh, do paragraphs and paragraphs but don't just assume that the reader is is, is an Canadian. Is so the reason we kind of invested so heavily in the in the paper stock and the photography it was so that and this this, this was this happened where we would have people writing to us saying that they'd bought them this happened on the first issue actually someone wrote to us saying they'd bought the magazine in whole foods uh in vancouver they'd never been to the east coast they had didn't know anyone from here um they love uh, beautiful magazines saw the cover picked it up read it and now they wanted to visit and 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 they reached out and over the years we've had you know lots of messages like that and of course I now have examples of people that have actually made the move um having kind of been inspired and i don't know if that was necessarily part of the of the plan um but it's now become essentially something that we take great pride in um and um we don't want to necessarily not cover people who have done great things and and left um but we would always rather have a a story of someone that that has moved here and and done something amazing
1: so i didn't realize you you have a national ambition with that magazine
2: (laughs) yes yeah from from day one it was uh yes it's in in chapters indigo stores across the country we also invest heavily in uh in store promotions in um chapters in the go stores across the country so you know people walk into you know the Vancouver or 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 Calgary or um you know uh, Winnipeg um chapters and it's there like there's like, like front big big displays um of it there for, for for that precise reason i mean again partly the the Joel Plaskett thing also of wanting to uh reach you know displaced uh, atlantic canadians wanting to keep uh, connection to here um um and and I, I really that was yeah we knew the model had to be had to be national and and again there's been lots of kind of pleasant surprises i mean one of the things that a, a lot of our subscriptions are uh uh people parents in the in in, in atlantic canada buying subscriptions for their children that have moved away to, to kind of lure them back and say look there's lots more happening now um and there's different um, area business models that we hadn't anticipated. Like we, we, we always knew there was we were going to be doing global subscriptions. We always knew uh, that you know, obviously, newsstand was going to be vital. Um, obviously, direct sales through the website. Um, but pleasant surprises that have come up, which were not um, revenue streams that we had anticipated, mainly because they weren't uh, revenue streams for GQ or Vanity Fair. Uh, is we will often get contacted by uh, conferences and organisations to do bulk orders so for example when the canadian chamber of commerce did their agm in frederickson three years ago you know rather than buy you know trinkets and and stuff for the for the goodie bag that's probably going to end up in the hotel garbage can uh you know they would come up to us and buy 100 or 200 or 300 copies and that again once that started happening regularly we thought well actually why aren't we pursuing this so it became a thing where we would if we heard that there was a huge convention happening at the Halifax uh convention center we would ask if we could have the organizers um contact details and say hi we published this thing would you like to buy uh you know you know we will offer a five ten percent discount on cover price and and again so this is that's become a huge huge um and then actually equally with um a lot of businesses do it with with uh, corporate subscriptions where they buy you know when you think about co- spending what you might spend on a christmas gift for your 300 you know investment clients or your you know wealth client wealth clients um this is the gift that keeps on giving you know it's like they get to think of their uh the financial advisor or whoever it is four times a year um so all of those things again that was and those were all surprises those were all things that kind of happened fortuitously but, but now we kind of actively pursue that super so you're going to be able to make a buck at it well yes i mean i mean i mean i will say i mean it was it was a shoot it was obviously a huge gamble starting um we of course you know inevitably considered uh investors and and do we have partners and but we just decided that that would be a sideways step in that we you know we came from I mean you know in, in certainly in Pam's case I mean she built up a you know a, a magazine in London from, from from nothing and but ultimately you know I mean was obviously it had a, a a well-paid role but had no it didn't have a kind of a, a horse in the race so to speak in terms of actual uh ownership so we decided to take all of the risk all of the gamble ourselves and um and it was i mean it was profitable in its first year and and has never not been and i guess what i guess one of the things that we're kind of lucky with is that it's um you know we kind of know you know well with issue one we would have known before we printed if we had the advertising revenue we we weren't going to kind of we maybe would have gone ahead and taken a risk and done one just to see but um I think one of the few benefits of the of the of the pandemic was that I mean last March you know I was busy with stand-up and and we had a print title and that was that was it through obviously being me being taken off the road suddenly we were able to pursue i mean other things i mean one obviously being a podcast which we talked about doing for a long time the other was a a tv spin-off of the magazine which again we had been talking about with bell for a, a year but i had i kind of lost hope that it might happen mainly because i i didn't have the time to commit to kind of developing the idea they wanted the idea to be very very well scripted very well planned out it had kind of fallen by the wayside and suddenly we're all trapped and we did it. And then the other thing that we uh, launched was a bi-weekly digital uh, uh, version of it, of the magazine, which all all different content, um, which basically allowed us to do more uh timely things when people get in touch and say we've got this event happening in three weeks obviously we can't do that in the magazine um and similarly more local things and I think that was the thing that quite often we'll get contacted by someone saying so and so's opened this amazing pottery shop and I'm like well that, that that's wonderful but it's that that doesn't that's not going to be of interest to someone in in Toronto or Vancouver um so by launching the bi-weekly digital we were able to kind of cover more local things more regional things and uh, and of course it's been a, a, a an extra an additional uh, revenue stream as well although it has meant that a dream of coming here and having i mean the quality of life has has improved no doubt but it's a weird irony that we are busier here i think than we ever were in london but then equally we're not commuting and we're not and you know all the other stresses it's a fantastic magazine. Sorry, Don. I was just going to say it's a, it's a fantastic magazine.
1: I do encourage all of our listeners to pick up a copy or subscribe because it yes. is a, not only is the writing good, but the images are just fantastic. So Don, I think you had a question. Uh,
0: so obviously um, you've been around Atlantic Canada. St. John's a great place. I had a business operation there for 20 years or more. You may know that. I'm a big fan of St. John. I think it has a lot of... Uh, a lot of un, unrealized potential, I guess, is the best way to look at it. Um, but, you know, what are the other parts uh, of the of Atlantic Canada that you've been impressed with so far
2: and why? It's a good question. Yeah. And again, I mean, I mean, it, as a stand up, I've been lucky enough to, to perform in so many um, of the areas. I mean, the one thing I would say is that obviously, I mean, I do I genuinely love all of them. And that was the thing that I couldn't believe when I moved here was that. You know, growing up, you hear about. Well, I would go and visit my grandma as a child, and she lived in this small seaside town where everyone knew everyone, and I kind of, you know, and and you know, everyone was friendly, and there was a sense of community, and and people would turn up at their neighbours and announce. and, and I, I that was my kind of my dream was was that kind of, and I couldn't believe when I first visited here, I was like, wow, I can't believe there's a there's another place like that, and then I travelled around all of New Brunswick, and I was like, wow, there's a whole province like this, and then I travelled the rest of Atlantic Canada, I'm like, wow, the whole. Of the region, this kind of you know, I mean, actually, you know, even if it's not densely populated, it's a big space. It really does feel like a small town, and and it's one of the only places in the world where you can go to Gander, you know, uh, Newfoundland Labrador, and say to someone, you know, oh, I'm from, you know, quiz Pam Sister, I'm from Pictou County, and they'll say, do you know Bob? And chances are, they, they will know Bob. I mean, it, it's a it's a wonderful wonderful thing. Um, I uh, but to answer your question, I mean, I, I mean, I I love. And I'm so blown away by what has happened in Halifax over the last uh, five, six years. I mean, it's is, it is absolutely, you know, incredible. And, and I mean, I mean, in fact, the cover story of our next issue is the, uh, is the Muir Hotel and, and the Queen's Mark development. And I had a, a tour of the Queen's Mark uh, a, a few weeks ago. And I mean, it really is just absolutely spectacular um you know and there's so many phrases that that, i mean i certainly overuse you know phrases like game changer and and world class but i mean i feel like the queens mark development alone is going to be such a game changer i don't don't think people realize quite how much it's going to do for the region in terms of uh, bringing people here from away um but i just think all over halifax I mean, when you think five years ago and again i mean i mean so many places saint john improved you know dramatically over over this time as well and and again i saw so much of that that change come up and it was was wonderful to see i mean the best example i can give of that is when i remember when i hosted the ecmas here in maybe 2017 um the list of 30 venues that shows were happening in something like 20 of them didn't exist when I'd moved here three years prior. Like that is such exponential growth. And, you know, you never see that kind of growth in, in, um, you know Toronto or London. I mean, I was I, I used to joke about this that you know the, the best thing about living in a town or city in Atlantic Canada is that everyone is walking around London and New York complaining that it was so much better ten years ago or twenty years ago, but no one's walking around Saint John or Halifax going it was much better here ten years ago. <laughs> so really, if you, if, you, if you live in a town or city in Atlantic Canada, everything is constantly uh, everything is constantly on the up. But um, I mean. The change in Halifax is just it's just incredible. I mean, the the Sutton Place Hotel, again, by, by far one of the most uh, beautiful hotels in Canada, um, and and um, and you know, with a price tag of of you know a, a Holiday Inn anywhere else in 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 the country. Um, and I think what also surprises me so much with Halifax is that Halifax has now delivered on, and it, which is why so many. I mean, I'm and again, I'm hearing this firsthand from uh, the friends I mentioned earlier. Who my wife's best friend in in Toronto, who came to visit us in London, would never come here to visit us. Uh, had had been so brainwashed by the the kind of anti East Coast propaganda, and their neighbours are from uh, Saint John, and they would always say how how bad it was here, and they never would come anyway. Their son decided uh, to go to Dal, and so they finally came to visit us here uh, over the summer, and. I mean, we obviously, we, 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 it's not that we rolled out the red carpet, we gave them the East Coast experience and they got here. Uh, we immediately took them to a vineyard on the Kingston Peninsula where I was doing a show. So suddenly within, within an hour of arriving, their first time ever in Atlantic Canada, uh, they're in a vineyard with, with you know 300 people watching a live music and stand-up show uh and then we took them you know for, for lobster. we took them on the on the whole trip and then they went to Halifax anyway we were then back in Halifax a few weeks later and got to you know catch up with their son who's now you know 19 something down and he's just having the time of his life and um and I think for him it's that thing of you basically you know Halifax has essentially taken it, it's like every great city, but like like London, New York, and and kind of you know shrunk it down, but then taken arrogance and rudeness out uh, and put politeness and kindness in, and uh, and and so for. I mean, anyone visiting there, and again, I mean, I, I also know so many people that have that have uh, moved there over the last few years, and of course, the other strange thing is is that you can live in, you know, Lawrence Town or 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 Chester or any of these places and be so close um and yet well again i mean another place where did i visit recently um uh Falmouth where in Falmouth you can essentially live you can you know near Windsor you can essentially be in the middle of nowhere on a lake uh, at a you know a place that would cost you know less than a, a one bedroom apartment in a grotty area of toronto and yet you're 40 minutes from a you know a a, a kind of a uh, an international airport and a city that, that, that I think holds up to any other city. So um, uh, the, I guess the answer is, I mean, I love all of them. I and mean, one of my favorite places to perform, for example, is Pictou County. Uh, I mean, I uh, they are great for ribbing because they, they have uh, more politicians per capita than I think any other city anywhere in the world. Uh, they. I also love joking about, you know, the rivalries in St. John and the absurdity of the fact that, you know, I mean, I, people used to complain that I would talk about St. John on the road when I was being interviewed. People would say, well, he doesn't live in St. John, he lives in Rossay, and he, you can't say you like St. John if you're in Rossay. And then people would say, you're not in Rossay, you're in mean He's Riverside. I'm like, can we just... Like, London also has lots of different pockets and 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 villages and towns within it but guess what they just promote london because that's that It just have one name uh so uh, i'm and but i love doing that in picto because they too have so many different uh, names so uh, they have uh, a great sense of humor there um but that said i mean obviously going to, to going to st john's is always a joy and i was just in Summerside, pei at the weekend mm-hmm. um uh, where there's no one, again, no one knows, there's this incredible performing arts centre that's just been uh, built with uh, help from ACOA uh, maybe three years ago at the College of Piping, which I, I literally thought was a plumbing college. And, uh, <laughs> and so when I got there, they said, would you like to come on stage with a bagpipe? And I was like, oh, that would be hilarious because piping, like piping, and, but, and they're like, no, 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 it's actually piping. I'm like, oh, I've... I, I, Thought that we were doing like a double joke here. Anyway, um, so um, all over. I mean, again, my, my children, if I was to pick a community I love most uh, in uh, PEI, it would have to be Hunter River, mainly because my children's names are Hunter and River. <laughs> uh, that's
1: great. Just a couple more questions before we end it t- today. Uh, James, I wanted to ask you about your memoir. You have one coming out soon. What motivated you to write that? What are we going to learn about it, in from reading it, and when do you expect it to hit the bookshelves?
2: Thank you. Yeah, um, so it's coming out in May next year, and it's called Brit Happens, um, uh, and it's, uh, it's uh, the sub or well, the sub uh, tagline is uh, or Canadian or, or living the Canadian dream, and essentially, it's it came about when um, a, a photographer and I named Sean McGrath, uh, who's an incredible again. Um, world-class photographer proudly based in new brunswick he um he's been capturing me on the road uh for many years capturing essentially the real essence of what it is to be uh, 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 an artist uh, on the on in atlantic canada and basically everything from the highs of playing you know you know uh, arenas to thousands of people to kind of uh, performing in, in broom cupboards and, you know, church halls and just, you know, uh, the road. And and I went to Goose Lane Publishing, which is, you know, again, uh, Atlantic Canadian uh, book publisher and actually Canada's oldest independent book publisher uh, with the idea of, of a book of uh, photographs. And they said, well, we would definitely love to do that at some point. But what we'd like first is for you to write uh, about your experiences here, your, your journey here, um I'd, I'd only ever co-written a book before which was about uh, an actor in england so it had a that had a focus with this i said you know what how do i do this and they said just start writing so essentially it's 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 become it's about my journey to atlantic canada it's about a lot of the topics that we've talked about today it's a story about uh, immigration uh, my my grandfather was a polish catholic who uh moved to england um uh my father my dad's uh, my my grandfather on my other side um uh, did uh, a runner when my dad was very young and bizarrely uh by coincidence fled to canada where he was supposed to actually call for his his wife my grandma and and my uh dad and uncle um never did um and weirdly he uh he fled to the area that my brother now lives in my brother uh fled to um fled to sorry my brother didn't to he he married a canadian as well by coincidence i say coincidence he's always copied me everything but uh my brother by coincidence also married a canadian he lives in bc so it's kind of about there's a lot of it's there's a lot of coincidences in this story that basically are uh, about my path to and uh, my journey to ending up uh in atlantic canada so it essentially tells my life story um but Mainly, it's about my journey to Atlantic Canada and what I love about this place. And in a lot of cases, it's a, it's a travel log. Like what I've tried to do is is talk about my experiences of all of the places that I visited here, uh, the places that I love. And uh, really, it was a chance to to open up and be um, and be uh, essentially tell the truth behind a lot of my jokes. Like I I joke about why we moved here, but I really open up about the real reasons why and um and I think it's it's funny, I think it's uh, hopefully uh, moving at times and uh and it really it was that I had been commissioned to write it pre-lockdown. I don't know when I would have finished if it weren't for lockdown, but again, another fortuitous thing of yay COvid uh I managed to uh I managed to finish it, so uh yeah, I'm looking forward to people reading it and also very nervous and about it as well.
0: Well, we look forward to seeing that book, uh, James, when it comes out. When is it going to be out uh, exactly?
2: Uh, May next May year. May next year. Yeah, published by Goose Great, Lane. Great,
0: thanks. Uh, one, one final question. I mean, you know, uh, like the idea, like the idea of you as a relative newcomer to this region. What advice do you have for Atlantic Canada to take advantage of what you see as a newcomer?
2: That is an excellent and very big question. Um, I think the dialogue has changed here a lot in the time that, that 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 I've been here. Nothing to do with me, but it but it has changed. But the, I mean, the, a joke that I have about the greeting that I got when I when I moved here, when you know I lived and worked in other parts of the world. And when you arrive there, people say welcome or greetings. But here, certainly in New Brunswick, people wouldn't say welcome. They would say, Why the hell did you move here? And and I would say, Yeah, you know, you've got to stop saying that. It's not helping making newcomers feel like and really it's essentially and, and a lot of it comes from curiosity. But equally, why not shift it to, oh, what brought you here? And and make it a, a celebratory thing. And that's been what I've been I mean I've been trying to do and especially recently I mean all of our dream came true this last you know 12 months with people uh, people coming here and again all the time I'm meeting different people at the at the at the bus stop you know um, and they're saying we've just moved here from from New York and I'm like oh that's amazing what brought you here you're going to be happy here and whenever I you know they then tell me weeks later they've watched my my stand-up special or whatever they say that yes every single other person they've met has said why, why did you come here um, so I think I, I like the fact that one of the greatest traits that Atlantic Haydens have is is a modesty thing, and 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 being modest is a, is a wonderful trait. But I think everyone can be a bit more proud of what you've all created here, which is a a place where uh, people can thrive. People can carve their own path. Uh, You don't pigeonhole people here, um, which, again, is definitely the way that I feel like in England you would have to choose. Am I going to be a magazine owner? Am I going to be a comedian? Um, You know, there's so many... Uh, people examples of people here that I can think that do two or three totally disparate things, and nobody thinks that's remotely odd here. No one questions you. Oh well, you but you're you're a, a cop. You can't also be a wedding DJ. Uh, that's that's a specific example I'm thinking of here. But um, <laughs> but people can do whatever they want here, and I think that's something that that should be embraced and just really changing that that dialogue. And indeed. Believing and celebrating the fact that you can do do what you want here and um I mean one thing that I'm always aware of and that I guess I always have to add as a as a caveat to my what some people have called kind of you know blind positivity is the fact that obviously you know both Pam and I were were lucky that we had we came here with experience you know i'm not I'm not obviously saying that you know um to a young person who wants to pursue uh, a a comedy career or a magazine career or indeed anything that uh, you can do it here without any experience necessarily. I mean, you can, and you can build it up there when way, there's ways of doing it. And, it. and it's been proven that plenty of other people have done it. But we've obviously benefited from getting some experience elsewhere um, and and being able to bring that experience here. But um, I think the message really be to everyone is that um, come here and you will be welcomed and supported. And and I mentioned that early on in, in the conversation that, you know, um, if there were... Some doors closed to us. The majority of doors were open to us, and again, the the misnomer that I think some people have is is that we came here in some way connected. And I've I've seen people, I've heard people say this. Uh, I, I we absolutely were not the reason those doors were open to us was because people wanted to welcome uh the newcomers that had come here and were trying to do something and yes some people might have thought we were mad and uh, some people might have not wanted to support us uh but but no one tried to 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 stand in our way and um i feel like in other parts of the world they would try and stand in your way um and so really it's uh as, as i think people get annoyed that i don't really have uh any complaints in terms of that in terms of the way that we were um kind of welcomed and if people do have um you know negative opinions about about what we do and, and they share them that's fine but there, are uh, but no one's actually trying to to stop us and and so that really is the greatest blessing we're in a place where no one's going to literally try and stop you <laughs> <laughs> So, James, we have another job
1: for you. Chief Marketing Officer for Atlantic Canada.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Dale, I'm on on board. (laughs) It comes with no salary, but lots of benefits. Hey, I've always said, no job too big, no fee too small. That's my (laughs) motto. (laughs) It's a good life policy.
1: Uh, James Mullinger, thanks for joining us today on the Insights Podcast.
0: Thank you both so much. You've been listening to the latest episode of Insights on the Huddle Podcast Network. Mark Legere and Tyler McLean helped produce this episode. You can subscribe to the show by searching for Huddle Insights on podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. And if you've enjoyed listening, please give the show a rating and a review. Don and David will be back again next week.